Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used or just around the corner from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hi, this is Richard Jacobs with Future Tech Podcast. Uh, today I have a great guest, David Orban. Uh, the founder and chair of Network Society Ventures. David, how are you doing? I'm very well. Yeah, thanks for taking the time. Um, I know David is also a, a faculty member at Singularity University. And when we talk to people of uh, that caliber that are associated with Singularity University, they have many, many interests. Um, so we always have to focus just on one. So today, we'll talk about the Network Ventures uh, activities. So, David, you know, tell listeners what do you do at uh, Network Ventures? What's what's the goal of the company there? Network Society Ventures is an early stage, seed stage uh, uh, venture capital investment firm. We focus on the intersection of exponential technologies and decentralized networks. And maybe it is worth uh, unpacking already what that means. Right. Yeah. You know, what is a, an exponential technology? Versus the regular one, and what's a, a decentralized network versus a regular one? Definitely, um, it, from a certain point of view, uh, many many technologies exhibit uh, exponential uh, nature in the way they transform uh, the industries where they are applied, uh, the economic opportunities that they they represent. And what it really means, uh, as opposed uh, to linear uh, technologies, is that they um, uh, develop uh, in a, a given period of time with some multiplier. So, uh, for example, uh, they will double um, every 18 months. And this is the feature of... Uh, uh, Moore's law that applies in uh, uh, in computer chips and has right. been true for the past 50 years, a kind of self-fulfilling prophecy that engineers and teams and companies, corporations all over the world uh, made sure would, would hold. Um, hmm. And the consequence of, of that specifically is uh, our ability today of literally having supercomputers in our pocket. Right, comparatively, yeah. Computers that we call our mobile phones uh, are not the end point of this evolution, but uh, technologies keep getting better and better at an accelerating pace. And today, uh, we see exponential technologies in health, energy, in uh, uh, manufacturing, even in finance. Now, the other part, uh, decentralized networks, uh, it is uh, the consequence of the uh, thought process, the reasoning, the, 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 the type of analysis that I've made in these past uh, years, almost a decade now, having been involved uh, with Singularity University since the, the beginning. I, I asked myself, if... Uh, it is true, and and uh, we want to take it for granted that exponential 
technologies are uh, having such an impact. What is the consequence of that? What are the implications? And my hypothesis was that while it was definitely the case for the past few hundred years that centralized and hierarchical organizations were the best way to allocate resources, organize labor, um, implement ideas throughout uh, a given enterprise. Today, as a consequence of the changes that we see around us, there should come a new type of organization that is organized in a network, decentralized, is distributed globally, and which can potentially outcompete um, in terms of efficiency, in terms of resilience, in terms of adaptability, uh, the, the previous ones. And okay. maybe I can give you some examples of, uh, of what I mean that will illustrate uh, well um, across various technologies um, what, what we are talking about here. Yeah, if, if you can combine the examples, that's great. If not, you know, what's an exponential um, company that's out there or technology and what's a decentralized one that you think is operating really sure. efficiently? So so um, rather than or, or not necessarily naming uh, uh, specific startups, um, uh, what I want is to illustrate uncorrelated industries where these um, changes are happening. Let's take uh, energy, for example. If you look at the type of investment that is necessary to set up um, um, uh, a carbon-based uh, plant or an oil or a gas uh, uh, plant, those are very, very big investments that need decades, literally, uh, to generate uh, the necessary return. Uh, they also require uh, the coordination of um, uh, entire um, states uh, and uh, and very important policy decisions as well. Mm. Now, opposed to that, we can look at um, type of decisions behind solar photovoltaics, where you can have a small business deciding that they want to put on uh, photovoltaic panels on their roofs or individual uh, households who are picking up the phone, calling up um, um, Solar City maybe in California and, and, and elsewhere and saying, hey, what's the deal? How can I finance the installation of a solar panel for my house? And so on and so forth. Individual decisions adding up until the accelerating pace of uh, renewable deployments cuts through a threshold and they become uh, visible to everybody and they capture larger and larger percentages of energy generation and uh, they change the rules of the game. The same is happening in manufacturing with 3D printing, uh, in uh, health uh, with wearables and uh, personalized health uh, in uh, the field of uh, finance with blockchain in, and, uh, and, and many, many others. 
And so what is important to observe is that the dynamic is similar. There is uh, almost a kind of a phase transformation in our social economic organization as a consequence of, of uh, what is happening. But even though there is a similarity, energy, manufacturing, health, finance, and, and, and other sectors are not correlated. They are independently going through the same type of changes. And this makes it uh, appear uh, as an unstoppable historical shift. You know, it is not a happenstance. It is not somebody, you know, it is not a fashion, but it is a very fundamental change in, in how we organize society and our economic life. So how, how do companies that are decentralized um, come together to to, um, to to have widespread adoption if they're decentralized? You know, it seems that opposition that uh, it is not a main driving force or a driving force we can see. And it has to come from many different people in different spots that, you know, how can it make any progress? So, so how do you see what are the strengths of these type of companies? And, you know, how do they, again, gain widespread adoption? How do they function being decentralized? Well, um, many platforms that we are seeing today uh, have gained incredible power, um, not because they themselves are huge, but because there is an incredibly widespread participation and adoption of the principles that they represent. One of my favorite examples is GitHub. Uh, GitHub is uh, uh, a platform for um, storing uh, and collaborating on source code for software projects. And GitHub okay. has millions of, of, of users, coders, and they are everywhere in the world. It doesn't matter. They don't have to be together. Uh, and GitHub is now so powerful that Google and Microsoft have both given up on their independent software source code repository project because they just recognized that they didn't need to reinvent the wheel. They could just uh, rely on this new piece of uh, global infrastructure that, that has been built. So um, the, the, the new type of organizations that are based on these technologies gain power not by uh, the force of their own uh, management or, or um, workforce only, but uh, much more importantly by the active, passionate, and proactive participation of, of their users. That uh, this, this, this manifests itself um, both in the uh, relative small number of, of uh, people employed by, by these organizations uh, in proportion to their impact, but also uh, with how vehemently users react when some change in the terms of service or privacy policy 
or other kinds of components of the governance of the platform is introduced without proper consultation, without uh, taking into account a broader set of stakeholders that traditionally would not be uh, uh, involved, they would not be uh, consulted. So for instance, with GitHub, who runs it and how does it evolve? What have you seen it do over time? How does it make decisions? So definitely the changes that we are seeing towards this uh, new kind of, of organization uh, is, is not complete yet. Uh, all kinds of infrastructures are still being built uh, to deliver the full power of decentralized networks and the implications are not only um, economic, but uh, also in terms of our relationship with um, uh, centralized social organizations, i.e. the nation state and the government, uh, needs to be fully uh, uh, understood and, and we, we are not there yet. Um, however, it is, it is evident that uh, this kind of uh, transformation is, is uh, sorely needed. Um, last year, there have been, uh, or two years ago, and then last year again, uh, during winter, both times, there have been coordinated attacks that have not been, you know, sufficiently um, chronicled and, and, and described in, in mainstream media against the electric grid of Ukraine. The electric grid was brought down by these attacks, leaving hundreds of thousands of people without electricity for days in winter. Uh, and the attacks were sophisticated enough that they took out uh, the uh, cell towers, the, 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 the mobile communication system as well, so people had even a hard time alerting uh, the, the repair crews that they were without electricity. Uh, wow. As a consequence of these attacks, uh, the Minister of uh, Energy of China declared that building... Uh, a decentralized electric grid is a question of national security for China. So um, it is it is going to be uh, still some time until we we, we fully understand uh, what what the the, the the implications are. But we we do have indications already. Um, in in uh, what the shape of of these new um, planet-wide infrastructures are going to be uh, also in uh, what uh, the first uh, tests of smart contracts coupled with the Internet of Things in uh, the blockchain are uh, now showing us barely glimpses of what is uh, becoming possible. Well, before we get... Um... Well, it may not be even far afield. So can you talk about some of the investments that you've made as a venture capitalist that you're most excited about? You know, what that encapsulate these uh, these elements, decentralization and exponential tech. Any favorites that you, you want to talk about? Well, um, uh, there are um, an entire portfolio of investments that, uh, that our listeners can uh, check out on... Uh, our website, 
netsoc.vc, netsoc.vc. Uh, and uh, many of these come uh, through Singularity University, uh, where we have a, an accelerator uh, in uh, SU Labs. Uh, and uh, the companies that come out of the accelerator are, are amazing. I would mention one uh, that uh, is uh, literally out of this world, uh, and it is uh, Matternet. Uh, Matternet uh, designed, uh, produced, and delivered on the International Space Station a 3D printer that works uh, in microgravity or zero gravity. Uh, contrary to those printers that we use uh, here on Earth that uh, um, need uh, a gravity to, to, to have them working. And uh, already this uh, printer uh, is, is working on the International Space Station allowing NASA to uh, literally beam up uh, spare parts or, or some kind of, of uh, you know, uh, component that uh, needs to be um, used. And rather than delivering it physically, uh, just its, its uh, uh, design can be delivered and then it can be manufactured in space. So the promise of, of this is, is, is obviously gigantic. Um, there are other companies that are concentrating already on resources that we can find in space. Um, asteroids uh, that are in specific orbits that uh, are, are not very far from Earth or, or uh, periodically they, they come pretty close to Earth. Earth. Uh, and rather than seeing them as, as, as we would uh, traditionally see them as a menace, uh, we can see them as an opportunity, as a resource. Bringing those asteroids uh, in orbits around Earth enables us to mine them and then build um, the next generation of heavy industries right there in space, uh, potentially since we also have incredible energy sources uh, the sun in space right there, allowing us to uh, migrate uh, industries in space, uh, freeing up the planet uh, to, to, to those activities that are intrinsically more sustainable and, and uh, 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 doing, but also um, avoiding the need of delivering uh, large amounts of mass from Earth to space. And this is going to be um, a, a development for literally the next hundreds of years, but we can see the glimpses of it uh, today, and those glimpses, those early indications of the incredible things that we will be able to do uh, come uh, thanks to, to these companies that, uh, that uh, come out of uh, Singularity University like uh, Matternet. Well, quick question. What's the, um, what's the intensity of sun once you're beyond the Earth's atmosphere in space, you know, in a low orbit versus uh, on Earth on the surface? How much um, more energy did you see from the sun? Well, uh, the, the intensity of uh, the radiation uh, is going to be unfiltered by uh, the atmosphere. Uh, so there is that kind of gain uh, a priori, 
uh, also you can uh, position your solar panels uh, uh, so that they receive light uh, 24 hours a day uh, because you don't need to be shielded by uh, earth and so there is that gain as well uh, also the area that is occupied by the panels uh, can be arbitrarily large it only depends on how many panels you can manufacture and then maintain uh, in in good shape uh, and and it is you know really um, already just if we take into account uh, sun that reaches the surface surface of of uh, of earth we have any day more energy reaching us uh, than not what our current levels of use for the entire civilization need for for a thousand years or more, right? So uh, if we take into account the energy that the sun irradiates in space and, and, and start capturing that energy, um, really we can start planning things that today are unfathomably ambitious because energy really stops being a, a bottleneck. Uh, we can dream as big as, as our creativity and our passion and our ambition allows us to dream. Okay. Um, any other examples of uh, companies that you're just amazed at what they're contemplating doing that you're invested in? Maybe just one or two more examples. Um, there is a company uh, that uh, is um, looking at radically changing the understanding of uh, a phenomenon that was belong that belonged to a sphere that we we couldn't understand before, and to bring it into a, a new type of understanding. Uh, where we can model it, cope with it, and and uh, make sure that our civilization uh, takes it into into account. It was the case that we wouldn't understand weather, or we wouldn't understand solar eclipses, or we wouldn't understand so many of the natural phenomena around us, and we would not be able to plan accordingly. And our civilization was was constrained and was limited by it. So a company called GeoSciTech is developing and deploying uh, a network to forecast earthquakes. And these uh, earthquakes are um, today, according to you know uh, official science, unpredictable. There's no way of uh, planning for a forthcoming earth earthquake. Actually, Japan spent literally billions of dollars, and Japan is a very earthquake-prone area, to um, predict earthquakes by about 30 seconds. And, you know, hmm. what can you do in 30 seconds? Basically, you hide beneath your desk. And 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 uh, uh, Japanese uh, uh, regulations require uh, every office or home to have especially sturdy desks that you can hide beneath. Uh, 
but not really very useful. So what Geocytech is, uh, uh, is doing is to be able to forecast earthquakes by an hour approximately, oh, wow. depending by condition. And this completely changes the equation. I won't even go into the implications and what it means, but you can understand that we are bringing an entirely new uh, level of understanding to what um, what uh, uh, hasn't been possible before. Yeah, I think people can guess that uh, they'd have a lot more time to be planned an hour versus 30 seconds for sure. Okay, uh, maybe one more example in a different arena. Well, um, this is this is once again in space, but uh, but I, I I love it and it is sure. really the intersection of uh, of two uh, different technologies. So the name of the company is Hypercubes, and uh, it, uh, it delivers uh, nano satellites to low Earth orbit that have hyperspectral imaging capabilities. Uh, these nanosatellites are, are really very small. The, the unit uh, is called a CubeSat, and it is mm. 10 centimeters, uh, about 4 inches per side, and um, they can be assembled in uh, groups of 2 or 4 or 6 or whatever they are, and then they are launched uh, typically together with larger cargo. So there will be a $100 million or a $1 billion satellite being launched as the main payload, and then these nanosatellites just uh, riding along. And then they are released, and they have no um, capability of moving by themselves, so their orbit decays little by little, and after a year or a year and a half, they burn up. But they are so cheap that they can be designed and built and launched uh, in uh, flocks of of dozens or even hundreds, or in the future wow. in the thousands. And the unique uh, feature of hypercubes is that rather than capturing the photos of Earth and then sending that data back with relatively high requirements uh, of bandwidth, they have onboard artificial intelligence that uh, um, that passes the image, pre-processing it, and highlighting the features that are interesting, and making sure that the kind of data that we receive is actionable, usable, compact, and uh, really has the kind of value. That, that we need without the requirements of the support infrastructure and the communications infrastructure that otherwise would be possible. Gotcha. Okay. And it is if you have hundreds of satellites reporting on something, each reporting on a bit of it, um, the data that comes back is uh, it's a lot faster and it comes back in smaller packets. Yes, and, and the onboard uh, AI is able to discern the features and the patterns and the information that is really useful for various applications of precision agriculture, of urban planning, of whatever other kinds of applications. Well, that's great. Very good.
uh, let me let me now that you you get me going. Let me uh, uh, mention uh, the last one. Uh, sure. The name of the company is Modern Meadow, and uh, Modern Meadow um, is, is part of the um, um, the group of, of of companies that wants to move beyond uh, animal husbandry and wants to be able to cultivate uh, meat, or in the case of modern meadow, um, tissues such as leather uh, that um, don't require animal slaughter and lower incredibly the type of inputs that today's agricultural processes use in terms of land, water, energy, and chemicals. You could think of it, and, and you know, the process is not exactly the same, but you could think of it as 3D printing meat. And the advances of this that just a few years ago was science fiction are extremely fast. Uh, and what is important is that, once again, these types of approaches bring um, uh, nutrition or animal products or uh, new solutions or medical um, uh, substances to the broadest possible population or the entire earth without overtaxing the environment. Uh, today, how many times uh, we are hypercritically looking at China or India, a couple of billion people or, or maybe more, 2.5 billion people, and, and we say, oh, yeah, well, they'd rather should stick to eating rice because if they start eating meat, we don't have enough of a planet. We're an mm. out of resources, which is obviously racist and obnoxious and also impossible because they will not care. They want uh, to, to, to grow in a path of, 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 of development as other societies have, have also done before. And and uh, empower and enrich their opportunities, um, and it is going to be possible to do so, uh, not only without destroying the planet, but actually, in a much richer and a fuller way than not what we did in the past. That's great. Well, David, you know, thanks so much for talking about um, all these amazing companies and. Uh, exponential technologies and decentralized organizations that are making huge changes in how we live. Um, I appreciate it. How can, how can folks uh, find out more about um, your efforts and uh, your venture um, capital company? Yes, What's so I am, I am personally very easy to Google, so just uh, search for my name, David Orban, and uh, feel free to get in touch. Uh, and uh, check out uh, Network Society Ventures on netsoc.vc, N-A-T-S-O-C.vc, and, uh, of course, uh, the works of Singularity University as well on su.org. And I will be very happy to, to answer questions or follow up. Well, David, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you coming on the podcast. Thank you very much. It was my pleasure. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review to discover more future technologies, 
that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. 